0: Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for this election eve edition of the power hour tonight we're going to be talking with one of the mayoral candidates representative Ed Gainey about his campaign, one of the things that he's looking forward to um, this at the close of the election season. Uh, his inspiration for running and ways that people can um, get involved in electoral politics if they are interested in making a change in their local regions. Um, we also want to just talk about today. You know, we are about 24 hours away from the close of this um, primary election season. This is a reminder that if you are a registered voter, Even if you are not um, registered to a a party, you are able to vote tomorrow for the ballot initiatives. Everyone who is a registered voter um, for this election cycle um, has something to vote for tomorrow. There are four statewide ballot initiatives in Allegheny County. There is... um, one about banning solitary confinement and in Pittsburgh there's another one about uh banning no knock uh raids within the city so there are things that you are able to vote for regardless of your party affiliation in addition to uh the candidates we have our mayoral race we have school board race we have races for the superior court supreme court court of common pleas um, your shares there's so many different race is going on. So please, if you're someone who is involved or cares about or believes in electoral politics, make sure you get out and vote. In addition, if you have received your mail-in ballot or you have applied for a mail-in ballot, the only way you're supposed to be able to vote is by submitting that ballot to the election office. Um, if you have not done so yet, you forgot to drop it in the mail, there's a reminder you you have until um, close of the election 7 p.m. to take your uh, mail-in ballot down to the election office. You can only return your own ballot. If you are someone who um, is living with disabilities or needs or legally has someone signing paperwork for you, you do have to do a declaration, and they are able to drop your ballot off for you. But please want to make sure that every vote counts and that uh, no votes are thrown away due to technicalities. So please, if you have registered to vote, make sure you go out and vote. If you have your mail-in ballot, make sure you drop it off downtown at the Board of Elections office. If you have misplaced your ballot or you do not receive it, you may only be able to vote in person at your precinct through a provisional ballot. So you just want to avoid delaying or discounting your vote. So please make sure you go and drop your um, ballot off. And so we want to get right to the bulk of our program. Um, as you know, we have a mayoral race here in the city of Pittsburgh, and there is a a uh, chance that if our next guest wins, he would be the first African-American mayor that the city of Pittsburgh has. And as he is the one person who um, responded to our questionnaire, so for our mayoral audition, we are gonna be having a, 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 an in-depth conversation with Representative Ed Ganey about why about why he's running his record, what he hopes to accomplish, um, if he wins and things that he is seeing around his neighborhood that he believes uh, can be changed and approved upon. You can ask questions um, in the chat on our Facebook and YouTube. Uh, streams. we do ask that you be respectful Um, uh, of yourselves and each other, no matter what happens tomorrow, we still have to be in community together. So please um, remember that when you're engaging on social media. And without further ado, we're going to bring in Representative Ed Ganey, who's going to talk about um, his campaign. So with that, welcome Representative.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me this um, evening.
0: Um, thank you so much for joining us. You know, it's it's uh, the last 24 hours of the campaign. We know the real work starts tomorrow. Um, so can you just talk about what led you to um, enter this race and put your hat in the ring?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a great opportunity for us to be able to unify this city. Uh, you know, for so long, we always hear that we want to have a city for everybody, but we never get there. We never get to a point where we're actually doing the things that's necessary to make this a city for all. It's always been great political rhetoric, but never really no action put behind it. Um, So when I got into the race, I thought there was things that we can work on with the understanding that there's no microwave meals, nothing gets done overnight, but there are things that we can definitely begin to work on to get to where we need to go to make this a city where everybody feels included. Um, And so we laid out an agenda to discuss about police community relations, discuss about affordable housing, Nonprofits paying their fair share, public works, and they need to make sure that they're capitalized at a level where they're handling, um, whether that's snow removal, whether that's slide cleanup, or what have you, but just to make sure that they're capitalized. A relationship with PPE, I mean, PPS, Pittsburgh Public Schools, um, to be able to talk about broadband for all children, regardless of where you live, whether you live in Squirrel Hill, whether you live in Northview Heights, um, we believe you should have the same broadband. We know there'll be another virus, so we know that, you know, some of this virtual learning, you know, it's here to stay to a certain level and we should always be prepared and also to deal with the gender equity report and really talk about not the um, not the deplorable conditions of African-American women in the African-American community, but a blueprint to how we make it better. Um, and I don't want nobody to feel like they're a liability, um, regardless of color, but particularly African-Americans. We should never be able to, we should never be led to believe or feel that every report that comes out talks about how deplorable we are, what a liability to the city we are, And the bottom line is that it'd be best if we just move out. I don't think that's the narrative that we want to put out there if you want to make this a more welcoming city. Um, So those are the issues that I believe begin a conversation of unity. But I think organically it's already started.
0: When you talk about running on a platform of unity, as you've been campaigning, what are some of the things that you have learned um, and some Mm -hmm. of the things that have opened your eyes to other issues that are going on in the city?
1: You know I think though you know I think that's a good question because a, a lot of times you focus on what you know not what you learn. Um, so me personally, let me let me speak personally first. Um, I think I learned how to deal with getting up every day um, with the understanding that you have to go through something to get something that you know nothing's gonna be handed to you. it's about the work that you put in and it's about hard work and dedication every single day. And letting the challenge be, can you get up every day and do it? Can you get up every day and do it, whether you feel like it or not, whether you're tired or not? Um, Can you get up and do it? Do you have that much passion and love in you to be able to get up and do it? So personally, it was a personal challenge that every day I get up, I got 24 hours in a day to make it happen. I got to be able to learn something new. I got to be able to talk about what I feel is necessary to unify this region. So from a personal standpoint, a personal conviction, It was just me finding out how I can bring out the best of me every day um, and being able to walk through whatever the day brings. You know, elections, you know, I've said this before, elections are like elevators. You up and you down. There's no there's no level floor. Um, And so you have to be able to balance your emotions and not respond um, to things that get you off message. Now, that's personally politically. What I learned is that there's a thirst out there for the city to want to be unified. There's a thirst out there to see a different level of Pittsburgh. And I think it started last year with the peaceful protests. Um, you know, like I told people, I've been here my whole life, my whole life. And that was the first time that I seen, really, Pittsburgh come together. Like, I seen black, old, young, young black, black, white, young, old, um, LGBTQIA straight. It didn't matter. They were, marking, they were marching in the streets. Some had environmental justice signs. Some had criminal justice signs, LGBTQIA signs, Black Lives Matter signs. There were all types of signs, but at the end, every sign was justice. And when I seen that, I had never seen that in the city before. And so organically, that's why I said it already started happening, because you had a youth talking about exactly what had to be done in order for justice to arrive in the city. And that is something I had never seen before.
0: Yeah. And there's been a lot of conversation about unity and engaging in, in, uh, restoration and reparations and how we work together because we're so diverse. Has there been a moment, cause you talked about, you know, the highs and the lows, has there been a moment where you, where you were shocked by some of the negativity that this campaign has brought?
1: No, I can't say I was shocked. Um, now there's a difference between being shocked, um, and being to a point where, let me say it like this. I wasn't shocked by the attacks. I wasn't. I said from day one, the closer that we get, the, the attacks were going to pick up. Um, this administration had, a they had a history of doing that. So the attacks, when they came, the, the attacks didn't bother me because I had already expected. It was my, it was my barometer of how close we were getting. And what we had to do to get there. Probably the most surprising um, in regards to the attacks is that I had to balance me. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to want to respond. But knowing that if you respond, you're going to look like the angry black man. And then you have to, then you're responding to defend a lie. And you can't do that because that takes you off your narrative. And then thirdly, you got to be able to utilize and invest your money in a way that brings you the best result. So going on TV to talk about a lie that he put out there, you know what I mean? Which everybody knows is a lie. It would have wasted my time. Now, that's the mature part of ad, And what I had to learn as I walked through this, there's an immature part of ad as well. I'm going to be honest that, of course, you want to make comments. You want to respond. You want to You want to chase the story. But I had to remember that, you know, if you're not being attacked, then you are not making progress. When you begin to make progress, attacks come, and they help to make you, because it identifies your character and integrity. And so I had no problem with that. So was I shocked by the attacks? Not at all. Not at all. I wanted. to. I won, you know, the whole thing about me making my face darker, making me look like the angry black man. We knew that would come. You know, all, all those attacks, we knew they would be there. The bottom line, it was our benchmark to find out for us to determine how close we were getting.
0: Yeah, a lot of times people talk about, you know, the city. You mentioned it earlier about the negativity and the disparities that face black people. But there's also this call out that black people have to stay in Pittsburgh and change the way Pittsburgh organizes and the way Pittsburgh operates. So going through this campaign as a black person, what are some of the things that you want other young black leaders to engage with and to take away from your campaign? Because there has been this parallel from like Senator Warnock in Georgia to your campaign where a lot of black candidates are running quote-unquote campaigns of positivity because they do fear those anti-Black attacks.
1: Yeah, just stay true to you. Stay true to you. I mean, you got to know who you are. You got to be grounded in self first. Doesn't matter. Don't, nothing else matters if you're not grounded in yourself. If you're not grounded in yourself, then you're always going to chase a narrative that's not you. And so if you allow someone to place a narrative on you that you're going to chase, then you'll never grow into who you're destined to be. And so for me, it's all about if I'm talking to young people, one, I want them to grow up and not just grow old. And that's learning who they are. You know what I mean? The more you learn who you are is the more you develop and grow. And in regards to having young people stay in Pittsburgh to fight for this cause, yes, I want them to stay here. I want them to stay here. But miracles, sometimes you have to leave to come back. Like sometimes you have to get out of your environment to see another environment so that you can see the growth and prosperity of other areas and then come back. For me, I had to leave. If I would have stayed in Pittsburgh my whole life, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today. Because I didn't know no politician growing up. I never had a politician knock on my door. I never had one call me or show up to my school or have neighborhood meetings. Growing up, I never met a politician. So for me to be in politics, I would have had to see something different that I couldn't see in my own city. I didn't get into politics till I got to Morgan State. And then the first day I was in class at Morgan State, the teacher asked me, what is you doing here? I said, you teaching, right? She said, no, you you're you should be with your classmates, making sure that you keep Morgan State a historical black college or university, because the University of Maryland was trying to hostile takeover. So they was talking to the governor of Maryland to defund Morgan State so that the facility would go down. And they were fighting to make sure that the they were getting the money to be able to, to, to make sure that the facility would stay up. So we marched all the way down to City Hall. The first politician I ever met in my life was a black mayor from Baltimore named Kurt Smoke. If I would have stayed here, I would have never had that opportunity. Growing up in my era, we didn't see black politicians. We just didn't. We didn't see black politicians. We didn't see no politicians. So sometimes you got to get out to come back in to know how to fight. I wouldn't have learned how to fight being here. I would have thought fighting just been, you know, which in, it, you know in the street. You know what I mean? Not learning how to fight with your mind. And so you sometimes you got to you got to leave in an environment. So coming back, that brings me back to the attacks, right? I was prepared for that.
0: So uh, I, I think that's very important that you were talking about being able to see and, and be prepared for the tax. I will say there has also been people have, you know, actual criticisms or questions about campaigns and stances. Now I want to talk to you about um, uh, some of those at this point. Allure, there's been a lot of conversation over the past few years about gentrification and, and affordable housing uh, about affordable gentrification and affordable housing um, in Pittsburgh, what is your stance, and what are some of the solutions that you think your team will be able to bring to Pittsburgh when it comes to uh, affordable housing in the city?
1: I believe we got to pass the exclusionary zoning law. That way, you that way you ensure that any project that comes in front of, in front of the city is already has affordability embedded into it, um, and whether that runs the AMI of between twenty to eighty percent affordability would have to be embedded into it already. So you wouldn't have to worry about people being um or displaced or forced out or pushed out. Because inclusionary zoning ensures by zoning that if you have a citywide, that every develop every housing development that comes in front of you, there has to be a there has to be a percentage, a high percentage of affordability already embedded into the project. So that's number one. Number two is that we know that the agenda that's set for development is set by a mayor. Whatever that mayor wants to do in regards to development agenda, that's what they're going to push. My agenda, my development policies is going to be based on people and based on who lives in that neighborhood and what's good for that neighborhood. And that's why I said we got to pass inclusionary zoning to ensure that affordability is already embedded into the project.
0: And so... When you're looking at, at, the, at the law and what the mayor's office can do, what are some of the things that you believe have been missteps by this current administration and how would your um, administration work differently?
1: The number one thing
0: is execution.
1: It, it, it's good, you know, to have policies and plans, but if they're on the shelf, then they're never getting executed. At some level, whatever you prepare, you have to execute. You have to have a plan that you're willing to execute and then be able to measure it so that you can give reports to the public to be transparent in regards to what's going on. This administration right here are good at the first part. Their plans, they'll create plans, but their plans on the shelf. We've talked a long time from UPMC and others paying their fair share. We've had a long conversation about police community relations. We've had a long conversation about how we uplift the African-American community. None of that has occurred. We know how to uplift the the African-American community. It's not that it has to be a plan. It just has to be executed. The difference between me and this mayor is that I'm an executor. I want to get it done. I'm known to say if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm known for that. And so for me, it's about creating a plan, but also executing, not putting it on the shelf. You can't unify anything by a plan that's on the shelf. You have to be able to execute and get things done. And you have to be able to do it in many arenas and be able to measure it so that you can be transparent with the public and give a public a report of exactly where we're at. So then that way, there's no lies and alibis. There's only truth. And the truth will be reported because you can see for yourself where we're at every quarter. Every quarter, every one of my platforms will be measured, and I will allow the public to know exactly where we're at. Or that's was police-community relations, affordable housing, um, nonprofits paying their fair share, my relationship with PPS, um, the gender equity report, and public works, I'll, I'll, we have to do that. That's how you be. That's how you engage the public. So it's not just about me saying, "Wow, we made this wonderful plan and don't nobody know about it, or no one heard nothing about it, or no one heard the results from it." But it's actually creating a plan to what we can execute so that you can see for yourself by the measurements how far we've come or or, or how far we haven't. But the reality is we're transparent
0: on action. Perfect. And that segues into my next question. And you mentioned it just briefly. There has been a lot of discussion here in Pittsburgh about nonprofit corporations. And I will use you know, that term very loosely, um, like the UPMC not paying their fair share in taxes. How is your administration going to approach this issue? Because a lot of people want nonprofits in the region because they provide support and investments for jobs, but they also um, do not currently pay. A, a proportional tax rate. So what is your proposed solution um, to get nonprofits to pay more um, in, in tax revenue?
1: You know, power can cease to nothing. Um, if we were just going to have conversations that provided us an opportunity for nonprofits to pay their fair share, Miracle, that would already happen. That would already exist. I mean, you know, do the biggest landowner, the biggest employer, you should have to pay their fair share. It's estimated that if they paid their fair share of taxes, that'd be an extra $40 million to the city of Pittsburgh. You wouldn't have needed a park tax. You wouldn't have had to put that on the back of the residents. You would have had everybody paying their fair share. We could have took care of parks with that, roads with that, bridges with that. That could have been seed money and investment money for a lot of activity. You can't grow a city if everybody's not paying their fair share. You can't grow a city. It's impossible, and I'm talking about a billion dollars. Not a million, a billion dollar non-profit. And so, you know, if, you know, we have to go to court, then that's what we have to do. And you hear people will say, well, Ed, that might get caught up in litigation. It may be a long time. And that's true. Whether it ends in my term or the next term, it doesn't matter. We got to begin something to get them to pay their fair share. If conversation alone was going to get them to pay their fair share, Miracle, it would have already been done. There's a reluctancy there, and I don't understand why. You're a billion-dollar nonprofit charitable organization. Billion. There's no reason why you you, you shouldn't want to pay your fair share to the city of Pittsburgh. There's no reason why we can't talk about how we reduce disparity between blacks and whites in this region when we got the best medical facility in the the world almost. There's no reason. But it has to take the will to be able to say, hey, listen, this, this is not what needs to happen. And so at some level, if it starts under me and and ends under me, great. If it starts under me and ends under somebody else, at least we started something to address the tax status to find out if they can pay in the court of law.
0: Thank you for that. Um, We were talking about, you know, legislation, litigation, and legislation. And I want to move on to policing because that is another area that creates a lot of litigation. Um, We know that in Pennsylvania, the state legislature um, makes a lot of the rules. But as a mayor, what are some of the ways that you're able to create change when it comes to policing and advocate? Uh, for different uh, policies, procedures, punishments? What can a mayor do when it comes to policing? And what is your plan um, to address uh, policing and brutality within the city?
1: You know, we can't hide behind Act 111. Because at the state level, as long as you have Republican control of the House and Republican control of the Senate, it's gonna be real difficult to get Act 111 passed. That's number one. So we can't hide behind it. If you want to change the city, you gotta have zero tolerance when it comes to racism. And if a cop and if a cop displays or exp- displays any type of racism, they have to be fired. You have to send a message. And so yeah, they can use Act 111 to go to arbitration, but then that's something that the FOP is gonna to have to determine whether they want to do. Because, see, if you want to fight for a police officer who swore to uphold the law, who swore to to obey and honor, but got racist comments on his Facebook page, whether it's private or public, I really don't care, has made negative comments about people, about communities, is that the police officer you want in the street? That police officer has to be fired. And if the FOP chooses to want that fight, they have to be cautious because now you're talking about a public relations problem, and in public relations, that's a different type of a war. Because now you get to define yourself, and if they want to be def- if they want to define themselves as an organization that takes up for racist cops, then they will continue to erode the trust of the public. We can't tolerate racism and think that things are going to get better, and we can't ha- and we can't add, um, hide behind Act One Eleven as a way to say we can't do anything. You can find... Oh, you can find, and they can fight to get their jobs back. The FOP would have to make a decision of whether they want to go to court, I mean arbitration, for a racist cop.
0: Thank you for that. And you're talking about some of the uh, potential obstacles to some of the changes. And as a mayor, you are tasked with not only working with people who support you, people who have similar politics to you, but you're also tasked with representing folks who have alternative viewpoints. How are you going to engage your critics how are you setting up your office to learn from people who have different different viewpoints than you and how will you create a, a office of openness so that people can call you in if and when you make mistakes
1: yeah well i think that um you want you want to be able to have people that's different than you that have different ideas than you I mean, I think that's how we learn. If everybody had the same idea, same philosophy, um, there would be no growth in life. Um, So I need that. You know, I deal with that right now. I'm at the state capitol. Republicans, some of them as far as right as Donald Trump. But I still have to engage them and talk to them and try to have some level of understanding where I can um, to be able to get some things accomplished. That's just the reality of doing business. In regards of, of, of open, I've always had an open, I've always had an open door policy where I sit down and talk to everybody because it's about what I learn. It's not always about what I know. If the only thing I if only if I only go to work today to find to talk about what I know, then I don't learn nothing else. So my policy is always, I've always had an open door policy to talk to anybody, to sit down and have a conversation about how we get better. I mean, that's part of leadership. Leadership is the ability to not always have conversations with people that agree with you, but you got to have conversations with people who don't agree with you. And understanding that coming out of those meetings, you're going to learn something new if you're open. I'm never going to be closed-minded to a point where I'm not considerate of other people's viewpoints and how it can help us to grow a better city. You know, uh, as long as as the narrative is about how we come together and grow, then we we can have those conversations. I mean, I'm not going to want to have a conversation of, of how we uh, are so different that at the end of the day we can't work together. If there's a way that we can work together, I want to work together. I think that's part of growth and growing up. And that's how you that's how you engage the public. I want to have neighborhood meetings. I want to be out there. I want to be out there. Everybody knows I'm I'm a politician that likes to be in the streets. So I want to be out there. I want to hear what the community is saying. I want to work with the community make a better way. To me, that's the only way you create a city for all. So it's not about what I know, it's about what you know. It's about what other people know that I know who have a heart that to wanna to see a better humanity. Those are the people that we wanna work with. And we will, we will have conversations with every, everybody. But at the end of the day, we got an agenda to move as well.
0: And speaking um, to your agenda, I wanna ask uh, some questions. The city of Pittsburgh has been a leader in LGBT issues and protections, whether it was uh, creating policies that allowed for gender-affirming healthcare, creating non-discrimination ordinances. Under your administration, are you uh, committed to continuing these supports um, and protections for uh, queer and trans folks, especially as we know that Black and queer folks have a lot of violence, deal with issues of discrimination, housing, um, and also lack community support and investments to own businesses, to be safe at schools. So is your office committed to continuing supports and protections and advocating um, for the LGBTQIA um, community?
1: Absolutely, you know, I do that that at the state. So you know I'm gonna do it as mayor. Uh, And the commission that I'll have, it won't just be a commission, we'll form the commission immediately. And then an informing the commission, will take up the policies that they feel is best and needs to be moved in order to help the community. That's what it's about. Again, that's about how you create a community for all. Absolutely. There's no question about that. Look, I have zero tolerance for discrimination of any kind. Zero. Zero tolerance. It's, you, can't, you can't build a city on hate. Period. We all got a right to a great quality of life. Everybody. And in my administration, I'm make sure that everybody does.
0: Thank you um, so much for that. And I think it's like very important because a lot of times people fear you know, who they don't know and fear what they have not um, come in contact with. And so for some people, you know, you, you're known and loved in your district, but for some t- for some people, this is the first, this campaign is, they, is the first time they've heard of you, the first time they've talked with you. Um, and so that's why we're just trying to ask some of these questions. And in the same regard, we do know that Pittsburgh is a traditional city. There are a lot of, you know, historic landmarks. And so this city is not as, accessible to people who are living with disabilities um so what are some of the ways that you are prepared to engage and advocate for people who are living with disabilities and how should people who are impacted by these issues feel comfortable and know to feel comfortable to reach out to you or to talk with oh, you and to engage you
1: you can definitely reach out well you know every year um i'm always every year we're doing something in the disability disability community um And I want every part, I want every community to be in my administration, because I think that's how you learn. And I think that's how you develop wise policies in order to implement new ways to make life better for everybody. I think that's how you create a city for all. Um, That's important. Um, We have to have, and we know, we know what the waiting list at the state looks like. And and even though we've cut a lot of it down, we still probably over 12,000 that's on a waiting list. We talk about employment, there should be employment opportunities in the disability community to demonstrate that there is a pathway in order to work in a mayor's office, in order to work for a council person or anybody else. And so, you know, that that goes without saying for me, I'm always going to be one that wants to see um, every community uplifted and every community should have an opportunity for prosperity. That's just the ways of the world. I think that if you have that, if you have that mentality and you add that in your heart, then that's how your policies look. Um, and so you're right. You know, a lot of people outside of my district, you know, a lot know me, a lot don't. Um, but this is a golden opportunity for me to introduce themselves, introduce myself because I'm going to be me all the time. I'm not changing for nobody. I, I, one thing I've always said about this game of politics is that I'm not going to let it change who I am. And I have not Um, and so I'm always going to have an open door policy. I'm always going to have a heart for people that need help. I'm always going to be out there trying to help those people. You know what I mean? Because somebody had to help me. And so since somebody helped me, that's my way of giving back by creating opportunity for everybody. And that's what I've done my whole political career. So what I'm saying now is not something I haven't done my whole political career. It's well documented. It's just who I am. And, that's, and this game not going to change that at all. I'm at Ganey before I'm anything else.
0: And, and you talked about that. You were recently, you know, endorsed by uh, a group of things it was like twenty plus um, environmentalists because of you know your support to. Ban fracking and your support for environmental issues. We know that in the city and in the county, this has um, racial consequences because it's more of Black people who are suffering with asthma and as lead poisoning. And so why is the environment so important to you? And how um, did you go about cultivating a relationship with environmental agencies and individuals? Well, one, I want to
1: work with them. Um, You know, I've never, and I never will confess to saying I got all the knowledge in the world on anything. <laughs> I think there are some people that got way more knowledge knowledge than me in every in every aspect that we're talking about, whether it's the environment, whether it's police community relations, whatever it may be. But in the environment, the reason why it's so important is an asthmatic. I'm an asthmatic. Um, when I was kind of, I was raised by a single mom. We, you know, we didn't know nothing about, you know, why, you know, um, the quality air played a played a part on asthmatics, you know, my mom didn't have no idea. We just knew that when we, we, we had children's hospital, that's what we knew. And so even as, even as I talk to the environmental community, you know, the one thing I always tell them is that you got to expand the congregation. There's a lot of people out there that don't know, you know, how to improve the environment, why the environment um, plays a part on their overall health, because mentally they still trying to get their environment clean when they come home. My mom used to come home, she had two kids, you know, our, our thing was about, you know, homework and a meal on the table and everything else was irrelevant except for getting up in the morning. And so, you know, for me, it's about how do we educate on environmental justice? And why do we need to talk about clean water and clean air? Why do we have to talk about green jobs and why green job, um, green, clean jobs are so important and why recycling is so important and what this means to the environment? And I'm not talking about just those that's in the environment. I'm talking about those that on on and where I'm from on Hamilton Avenue that may not get all of that because of some of the things they deal with every single day as single moms. And I think that's important. So I think being if someone being a, a spokesman about it, someone being able to talk about it, somebody be able to reach that, that targeted population, then I help them understand some things that, you know, um. People my age and my mom older than me, they didn't get that opportunity. They didn't get that. You know, they ain't had nobody come out and talk to them as I go out and talk to people in my community. They didn't have that. And I think the more that we had that and the more that we can connect um, clean, green jobs to Western Pennsylvania, more particularly Pittsburgh, we created an infrastructure into low-income communities where we can get them working on these jobs. Then I think that's a threefold, right? One, they making money, two, they being educated, and three, their mind is changed because they're learning a whole new, they're learning a whole new environment. And now they can be more responsible in the environment because they understand it, because they're making money from it. That's important. And so I think that we still have to work about how we finance deals here to get certain certain um industries here, like solar farms and things of that sort. And I think that's where. It goes back to what I said earlier, working with environmental groups to talk about how we do it, not just from an advocate point of view, but from a finance point of view. We got to finance deals. And so there's a lot of people out there that got that wisdom and knowledge that is greater than mine. And it's only them that can help me make it it happen in Western Pennsylvania, Allegheny County, or the city of Pittsburgh.
0: I appreciate um that response and but talking about you know learning. I know you were talking with um Nick from Black Young and Educated and you were saying that you know you didn't even understand at some point that learning was a job and responsibility that you were supposed to do. You know, you just thought you had to get through high school and and, and like make it out. And now you you understand the importance of learning and and engaging. What are some of the ways that you think that as a mayor, you can advocate for the Pittsburgh public school system? and advocate for students and parents who have, uh, family members and loved ones within the particular public schools, obviously it's outside of your jurisdiction, but what are some of the ways that you think the mayor can support, you know, local public education?
1: Yeah. Um, miracle. That's a good question. Um, so, I mean, the, so, so, so there's two strategies, right? Um, one strategy is talking about how we can repurpose some of our city buildings to be after-school programs, because you do want to keep kids in structured programs. You want to make sure they're in structured programs because if they're out of the street, then they're in safe places. Um, so that's one of the things that I already agreed to, that we're going to work on through parks and through parks and recreation is that taking some of the buildings that's sitting there that the city owns and repurposing them for after-school programs. But I mean, like that's that's you know that's that, that, that's the an easy answer right there, right? That's not the hard answer that you're asking me. That's the easy answer. The hard answer is how do you transform minds? Um, and that comes from exposure and learning. Like, I can't... If, if, if all you see every day... If all you see every day is the stuff that happens on your block. That's all you see. You're exposed to that every single day. It's like, as a kid, I couldn't wait to get to the park to hang out. I couldn't wait to get to the park to hang out. It was, I was learning, but it wasn't in school. I couldn't wait to get to the park and hang out. I I wanted to be with the bigger boys. I, I wanted to be in that activity that they was in because I saw it every single day because I didn't see nothing else. I didn't see nothing outside of my neighborhood. It wasn't just me, it was everybody that lived on my block. We, we, we didn't see nothing different. So I couldn't dream about being anything different than what I saw, than what I saw every day. The allure of that, the calling of that, every single day. So that's why, as a state rep, I made it my business that everybody, every in high school. Every year, I brought 12th graders to the state capitol to meet the governor, the lieutenant governor, the um, Black Caucus, the LGBTQIA Caucus, the Cobb the Caucus, the Law Caucus. All I brought them to Harrisburg because I wanted them to see something bigger than what they see every single day. See, if I, if I can expose you to a greater high, greater quality of life, I can make you dream. But if all you see every single day is the same song, the same song, look, we ain't go on vacations when I was a kid. I didn't go on vacations, miracle. So the first college I went to was Norfolk State, and I didn't know why I was going to college, miracle. To be honest with you, I had never been exposed to that. So I went to Norfolk State. I mean, just to be honest, you know, I got down there. Um. Um. You know, they 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 took me to Virginia Beach. Um like I forgot what school was. Like it I had the wrong narrative going there. So December, I got a 1.8 and I'm out, I'm out of college. And I came back home and my mother said, you know, man, my firstborn. My firstborn. You know, you come home a failure. That's the light bulb that went off. So I did two years at CCAC and went to Morgan State. And when I got to Morgan State, my exposure level exploded to meet a black mayor, to meet quasi-infume, to meet these people, to to see black businesses, black politicians, to, to see a mayor fight to keep a school, a historical black college and university. To understand that these people come from the same dirt I come from, but look what they're making out of their lives. To understand the power of learning, not just education, but learning. Learning every single day how to grow into your destiny. Learning every single day how to get better. Without my journey, I don't get here. And it wasn't all about education, though I believe it's important. It was also about what I was exposed to. And what I had to go through to be exposed to something of a greater quality of life to get me in a situation where I wanted more out of life. I didn't just want to grow old. I wanted to grow up. And that only comes from learning every single day. My motto now now is you got 24 hours in a day. If you wake up with knowledge and you go to bed with that same knowledge, you didn't do, you aborted today. I don't want to lose a day. I want to learn something every single day because that helps me grow up. So the first part of your question is, I'm not saying it's easy in terms of, oh, of course you got to find out how to, to appropriate the money, the line item got to be right. You got to invest in the right buildings. You got to have it in the right neighborhood. You got to determine whether you're going to lease it out or whether there's going to be funding to help lease it out so that these communities, groups can have a place to go. That, Yeah, you got to create that. You, you got to be able to create, but that, that's the easy part. The second part to your I'm not saying it's easy, easy. What I'm saying is you got to work at it. But The second part of your question is, how do you expose our kids to a greater quality of life? How do you show them new things so that they want, so that they can dream of being more than what they are today? That's, that's the difference. You know, that's the difference. One of my flyers, one of the flyers they put on me said, as against section eight housing and all this other craziness. That's not what I said in the paper. What I said is that you got to be exposed to a greater quality of life. You got to get out that, you got to get out of there and get exposed so you can come back. Yeah, I came back and helped everybody that I could. But you got to, you got to expose yourself to something greater than what you know. It's the only way you grow. I don't know no other way.
0: Thank you for that. And I. I um, want to ask and also um, request that when we're talking about exposure, we do know that there is specifically a lot of people who've made mistakes. You know, as Terry Miner Spencer says, people with colorful backgrounds um, and who who are you know. Uh, A lot of young youth. And so will you commit if you are elected to allowing these um, young youth, young black men who have records to work in your office, to page in your office, to intern in their office, to um, complete their volunteer um, hours in your office so that they're able to have someone who A, knows that they're not a failure and B, they can have that exposure to learn. And, and engage and and co- potentially become the next ed game?
1: Miracle, right now in my office, we allow, we allow those that got community service to work it off. Right now. So you know I'm going to do it as mayor. Right now. Because if I put you in a different environment, I'm going to make sure if I can get you in a different environment, it's not my job water to water the seed. It's just my job to plant it. So if I can get you in a different environment, then, yeah, we got opportunity. We got opportunity. I do that right now.
0: Thank, thank you for that. And I did want to talk. You talked about like learning and exposure. One of the criticisms that some of the labor unions have leveled against you is this e-verify vote um, in two thousand eight. There, you know, there's been a lot of conversation back and forth. What do you want to say to the immigrant community, to the immigrant organizers who may not know you, who may not have a close relationship with yeah. you, but are just very passionate about this issue? Um, what do you want to say about your track record or, or the future of how you would address immigration issues um, as mayor? I want to work with
1: them. There's no question about it. I want to work. I want to push and Whatever I can do to help, I want to help. Um, Outside of my e-verified vote and I took the vote, so I'm not gonna sit there and you know say I didn't take it. Um, I have a great record um when it comes to immigration, a great record. Um that vote right there was was a difficult vote. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to nobody. Um, you know, I'm always been transparent, but I wanna work with the immigration. That's why I joined the welcoming caucus so that I can get more up to speed, have more information, have more intelligence about just how we can make it better. Um, That's my commitment to you. My commitment is that my promise to you is that I'm going to work to make it better in this city. And I'm going to work with you to do it. That's my commitment. And watch and see. I will do just what I say I'm going to do. I've never been one to shy away from anything. I've never been one to make promises I can't keep. That's my promise to you. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna go first so I can show you. So there'll be no questions about where I stand. Like I said, my record on immigration is good. I, took, I did take that vote and I'm gonna sit there and lie. That's the reality. But here's my promise to you. My promise to you is I, can, I wanna work and I wanna make sure that I'm doing everything that you feel is necessary to improve the quality of life in the immigration community. That's my promise.
0: thank you for that and um as we wrap what are some things that you're looking forward to doing regardless of what the decision is tomorrow what are some things that you know you're just looking for and my final question is more of a sunday night sit down question but what are some things that are bringing you joy you know you're you're campaigning you're you're a representative what are some things that are bringing you joy at this moment
1: So, the first part, um, I'm going to keep advocating for all that. I'm, you know, me talking about police community relations, affordable, all that stuff, you know, I, I didn't just start talking about it because uh, I'm running for mayor. I, I've been talking about this stuff from day one. So, I'm going to keep doing that um, as from an advocacy policy situation. I'm going to continue to do that. Um, I'm going to continue to fight for justice every day. Every day. Every day I get up, I'm going to fight for justice. I'm going to fight for the things that I didn't have. Every day. I do it every day. And so for me, you know, um, fighting to make society better is what it's about. Uplifting the African-American community is what it's about. If you uplift the most vulnerable community, you uplift the whole city. I want to uplift everybody. But I understand the institutional racism that this city has had for decades and how they were intentional in keeping us out. And while the 15 metropolitan cities, Pittsburgh is the only one without a black middle-class neighborhood or a Latino middle-class neighborhood, those are injustices of decades of institutional racism. So every day we get up, we have to fight that. Or the next generation will inherit what I inherited. And I don't want that. What brings me joy? One is, um, you know, my wife. You know, um, my wife has been strong. You know, um, during this whole campaign, she's been phenomenal. I mean, I can't put a definition on that at all. Um, there's no definition I can describe how phenomenal my wife has been. My kids, my oldest is 25 and her coming in on the weekend knocking doors. You know, my youngest ones, you know, running around, Daddy, can I help you? Daddy, I'm going to knock doors with you this week. Man, they being exposed to something I never got exposed to. They, it, it, it's like, they're learning, they're learning and don't even know they're learning. You know what I mean? Like they're learning and don't even know they're learning. And so this is something that's gonna stay with them forever as they grow in their journey, as they learn how to grow. And then for me personally, you know, for me personally, um it's the ability to go through the fire. It's the ability to go through all the negative comments. It's the ability to look at the TV and sometimes be hurt, but only for a moment and smile, you know, and, and remember who I am and see if I'm responding the right way. And then, you know, using, um, you know, using the philosophy of one of the great, greatest 25, 21st century philosophers ever You know, Jay-Z, I just dust my shoulders off.
0: Yeah, well, I do thank you so much for um, sitting down, talking with us about your campaign and everything that's going um, on. And I know, like Dr. Russell was saying, you know, people appreciate how positive, like, your campaign has been. And I do hope that, you know, the good has, like, outweighed the bad, you know, during this at least no, last no year,
1: you know we gave it all we got let me let me tell you what they said first right so they, when i first started the run the first thing the administration said is that he can't raise money in the black neighborhood he he can't raise no money in the black community they, they don't give they they can't raise no he can't raise no money in the black community i said okay you no know, i won't raise as much as him he's an incumbent but we're going to raise some money we're going to raise some money. We're going to raise some money right in our community. Then we're going to raise money in every other community. Because at the end of the day, what you don't understand is that I understand what you're looking at. You see the poverty guidelines, I and mean, you see the poverty lines, and you say, wow, every neighborhood that look like Ad is in poverty. Every neighborhood that look like Ad is below that line. Okay, yeah, we, we may be poor, but what you don't understand, we ain't never been broke. Never. Never been broke. I come up on the generation and said, we got five on it and made it happen. We was going to raise that money. And no, we couldn't raise as much money as an incumbent. We still raised, we still raised over 350. We still showed that narrative that we don't support each other's is not real. We destroyed that narrative. Every narrative they put up against me in this race, we've destroyed. Not, not broken, destroyed it. And so... When I rest the night for whatever happens tomorrow, I'm a hype. Because I upheld the values of Ed gaming I did it my way. I didn't respond to the rhetoric. I didn't get mad at the rhetoric. I walked through that fire. And I did it with my, help, with my head held up. I did it in a positive manner. So you can't make me look like or just pick me as an angry black man. No, I ain't falling for none of that. I know how y'all get that. I I know this. I'm going to show you what a new revelation to you looks like, not to me. I already know who we are. This revelation was for them. To demonstrate I don't have to go negative. I know you want me to respond so I can use up all my money. I know you want me to respond so I can look like the angry black man. And you can paint me as that. No. No. We ain't going to fall into that narrative. We on the straight path. We happy with this campaign. I'm happy to everybody to volunteer, put a yard sign up, knocked the door, made a telephone call, gave me their endorsement. Negativity can't beat positivity regardless of what tomorrow break. I made them talk my language. I made them get on TV and say there's a tale of two cities. I made them get talk about one and better police community relations. I made them talk about Nonprofits paying their fair share where they came up with a whole false and false narrative. We've already talked power to the... We've already talked truth to the mountain. I'm thankful for this opportunity. And tomorrow, we're going to go get it. I'm asking everybody on here to go vote for Ed Ganey tomorrow. Because a vote for me is a vote for change. I want to see a city for all, because in this city, we've never had it, and we can have it. We can break every negative narrative they ever put on us in this city. This is our time. This is our moment, and I thank everybody for their vote, for their prayers, their motivation, and everything else you've done. Tomorrow, when you get up, be excited about it and let's go get it.
0: All right, and with that, we thank you so much, Representative Kennedy, for taking this time with us, and we wish you the best of luck tomorrow. Miracle, thank you. Of course, of course. Thank you, thank you. Um, and like Representative Gandy said, tomorrow is election day. Um, I know it seems like these election cycles uh, never end, um, but you know, tomorrow is election day here in Pennsylvania. Again, like I said at the top of the hour, if you are a registered voter, it does not matter what party affiliation you are, there are four ballot um, statewide ballot measures and two, um, local initiatives that are happening here. So if you're in the city of Pittsburgh, you're going to be voting for six um, ballot measures. We have um, we partnered with the Straight Ahead, um, the 501c4 arm of the Abolitionist Law Center to support one of these initiatives, which is the APA ballot initiative to ban solitary confinement here at the local jail in Allegheny County. We're gonna play for you right now um, one of uh, our advertisements to encourage you to vote yes on banning solitary confinement. For those of you who are not aware, solitary confinement um, is considered torture within you know the UN definition um, because it causes mental health issues, sensory deprivation and, on, and a whole host of physical and mental and emotional ailments. Solitary confinement is currently used in the jail, our local jail, as a punitive measure. Um, it has also in the past been used to separate people who were gender nonconforming, people who were trans, um, people who were thought to be um, a liability, people who needed protection, uh, people who were having separate, who had separations. And so we wanna make sure that we are being proactive, um, and, and banning this horrific practice within um, our jails. And so John is going to show one of the videos, a testimonial, a quick uh, a minute a video about what is going on so that we hopefully will pass um, this measure tomorrow and we will no longer have this horrific practice going on within um, our community. So we're going to uh, play that for you now.
2: My name is Charles Timbers, Jr. I'm a nurse practitioner, 37 years experience, with almost nine of those years in correctional medicine. What I have witnessed is solitary confinement at the Allegheny County Jail is devastating. Solitary confinement has been proven through documentation and research that it causes a lot of adverse effects, such as anxiety, paranoia. It enhances the patient's psychosis. A lot of individuals in solitary confinement are there because of mental health issues. Instead of addressing those mental health issues, they just put them in solitary confinement. My personal experience as a nurse practitioner at the Allegheny County Jail was devastating. Recreation, you would walk up on solitary confinement and see individuals in cages. And as an African-American male, that was very sensitive for me. On May 18th, you have an opportunity to bring about change. Vote yes to end solitary confinement at the Allegheny County
0: Jail. And so um, I do apologize. I know that video may have been a little bit grainy, but if you go online to our Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or Twitter pages, you can see um, some of these testimonials. In addition, if you look in the chat, for those of you who are like, oh my god, it's election day! I forgot. Who do I vote for? Who should I vote for? What is even on the ballot? We do have a um, a tool that ha- allows you to p- pick up your ballot, see a sample ballot, and and research some of these measures. We also have a candidate scorecard. So if you go online to our um, social media, you'll be able to see that. In addition, this is breaking news. We are going to be launching our website soon. Um, So you will also be able to go online to our website and look at these scorecards, look at this information as well. So again, I thank you all so much for tuning in um, to the Power Hour this Monday. Do not Do not fret, the One Hood Media Network has even more programming for you. Tomorrow, what Black Pittsburgh needs to know is going to be talking about the election as well. Have some great guests going to be popping in and out, giving the predictions, talking about some policies. We know that in the world of white supremacy, supremacy never sleeps, but neither do we. So Wednesday at 6 p.m., we're going to be having this week in White Supremacy talking about a whole host of issues and things that have happened. Like uh, a representative representatives talking about people darkening his skin and mellowers. So we're talking about you know racism and what you can do to combat combat racism and be anti-racist. On Thursday, we're all stressed out. It's been a lot. We want you to protect your mental health. So we have on Tilt, you know, a mental health podcast with Mama Brown and Dr. Julius Boatwright. These are some Thursday at noon. So we're just talking about ways to preserve your mental health, protect your mental health, and support and engage because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're going to be talking to some mental health providers about resources and opportunities for you and your loved ones to support and protect your mental health. We have programming all the time, and so we hope that you tune in to the One Media Network. I will let you know that next week, our offices will be closed. So a lot of our programming will be on pause as we take a moment to refresh and recharge so that we can be the best advocates and uh, programming and executive producers for you. So we will be on break next week. But we look forward to seeing you back after the election. And good luck for everyone running tomorrow. We do have a uh, our endorsed slate of eight candidates and we do have our candidate scorecard so that you can go back and look and see who you're voting for and with that I hope you have a great evening thank you so much for tuning in to our power hour have a great night